Um, so, good morning. Gay mes- uh, mentioned in during worship that today is Palm Sunday. So, throughout this year, we've been speaking about Old Testament stories and um, how the Holy Spirit has been working through them so that we can be a church that is on fire. Um, so, instead of doing that this week, in the lead up to Easter, we're going to be speaking about um, Palm Sunday, what that kind of meant um, at the time and what that means for us now. Can anyone see Betty right now in a bucket hat? She's so cute. (laughs) Oh, that's very sweet. I'd take it. Is she looking for me right now? (gasps) Thank you. Thank you. The star of the show. This is the invite card, everyone. My helper's got it. Um... So what Palm Sunday actually means in the Bible is when Jesus entered Jerusalem. Uh, he came into Jerusalem for an, uh, a Jewish celebration called Passover, um, which we'll talk a little bit um, more about. But I just want to um, kind of, like Gay did, just approach this day with a sense of reverence because it was one that really defines Christianity and really um, sets the stage for the weekend that really did change the world. So um, before I open the word, I'm just going to pray. God, we're so thankful that we have a chance to come together, hear your word and have our lives change each and every week. God, I just pray that the word comes alive into each of us this morning, Lord, that you would speak specifically into situations, into circumstances that we can walk out of these doors being changed. Pray that the fellowship this morning blesses us. Um, that the morning tea blesses our body. Amen. And uh, yeah, that it's just a morning that brings glory to you, that brings each of us closer to you and that all of us can experience your Holy Spirit this morning. We love you so much, Lord, and we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So this morning we're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 21, verse 1 to 11. So this is when All of Jesus' life and all of Jesus' ministry has been leading up to this. He's been healing the sick. He's been bringing sight to the blind. He raised his friend Lazarus from the dead, all in this big journey to come to Jerusalem. And um, each time that he kind of spoke about coming to Jerusalem, the sorrow and the emotion for Jesus was just evident throughout the Bible. And I think that that is that feeling that comes up from a mixture of dread, a mixture of trust, a mixture of extreme faith, and um, really shows us what it meant for the um, God of the universe to be man. He had feelings, he had doubt, he had guilt, he had all of these kind of things that showed he was man, but he still served his God faithfully. So here we are in Matthew chapter 21, verse 1 to 11. It says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. 
The crowds that went ahead of them and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Also shout out to Kemba. I feel like we worked really seamlessly together then. (laughs) Um, But this was this big triumphant entrance of Jesus entering a city who was declaring that he was Hosanna. He was the one to save them. And um, so the week... Like I said, Palm Sunday was leading up to Passover, which was a celebration where the um, children of God remembered when God first led them out of slavery of Egypt, when Moses first let them out. So um, they're, they're in the slavery of Rome at the moment. They're in oppression. They're kind of living in a corrupt society. And they're, they're thinking they've heard the prophets. They've seen the signs. They've seen the wonders and the miracles. And this is Jesus. This is us set. We're getting released from slavery. This is us good to go. But there were two triumphant entrances into Jerusalem that that day. And this is what I want to kind of talk about. I want to speak about the contrast between the entrance of Jesus and the entrance of Pilate, who was um, a prefect of Caesar and he was kind of like a politician for Rome's kind of. Um, And he usually lives by the sea, but he was coming to Jerusalem as well because the population of Jerusalem during this time went from 40,000 to around 200,000 to celebrate this Jewish celebration. So it was important for him to kind of assert that that Rome still had the dominance here. So up until like this week, I thought Pilate's name was Pilate, like the yoga. And so like if I accidentally say Pilates, that's that's why, because it's something that I've never like heard spoken or spoken out, but always read. And so I'm like, yeah, Pilates on a Wednesday. Um, so, so if I say it, just bear with me. Um, but Pilate's entry. On the, in the time, he would have come with this huge army and these horses and a marching band. And it was pretty much just to come to instill fear into the Jewish people. And to say, hey, we are letting you have this celebration and you may be children of God, but you are still the slaves of Rome. Don't forget that. Don't forget that you are oppressed. Don't forget that we tell you what to do. Do not forget where you stand in this city. They came to, he came to instill fear and assert authority to suppress any feelings um, that they might be able to be free or liberated. So you can imagine that if all of them are shouting for this Hosanna in the highest, that can spark a little bit of worry and, um, and fear amongst the Romans. So um, that is the first entry. And then the second entry is Jesus' entry, which would have just been the most stark con- contrast. Um, the people of Jerusalem knew of Jesus. They knew he was the one to, who was said to have fulfilled the prophecies and they were sure they were the one, he was the one to come and liberate them. And so... When you think about, I can't say it now, Pilate. When you think of Pilate coming in with these armies and these horses and these weapons and these the like marching band, and then you think about Jesus, who we just heard came on the colt of a donkey. And Kyle Walters and Eliza are in um, overseas at the moment, and they saw a donkey and they put it on their social media, and it's about this big. Like, can you imagine the king of the universe, the one they're shouting? Hosanna riding a donkey where his legs are nearly scraping along the ground. 
I think that even just imagining that picture creates such a contrast of the two kingdoms and the two rulers that Jerusalem is singing out for. He came riding and riding. He came in riding a lowly donkey on the cloaks of the poorest men. He did this to fulfill the prophecies that were written hundreds of years before. All through the Bible, every single prophet points to this time in history. It says the one that we read before was um, daughter of Zion, rejoice for you, her king has come lowly and riding the colt of a donkey. All things point to this. And um, by doing this and entering the city in this way, Jesus just paints this picture of his upside down kingdom where the leaders shall serve the poor. They, the royalty will come riding in lowly and humble. And he comes in at these people's level to say that I will liberate you. I am who you've been waiting for. And Jesus weeps as he looks over the city, for he knows that the very people who are shouting Hosanna are the ones who one week later will be shouting, crucify him. The ones who are asking him to, him to save them are the ones who put him to death on that cross. And Jesus weeps just looking over the city thinking, if only you knew, if only you knew. Um, and so I think that knowing the historical and the political context of this, Pilate's big entry, Jesus' entry, you can just see this big clashing of two rulers over a kingdom. And all through the Bible, um, it speaks about the, um, the fight between light and darkness. And I think that this is just it personified. And in Colossians 1.13, we learn about the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. It's undeniable that these two powers are at play in Jerusalem this day. Two kingdoms fighting for sovereignty, both hoping to be recognised as the one leader and the, both fighting to have full control over the city. And I honestly believe that more than ever, this principle applies to the inner state of our heart today, that we have two forces fighting for the sovereign rule of our life and the power to control us. One comes in to instill fear and keep us in slavery and the other one comes in at our level in a way that we can see him eye to eye to bring liberation, freedom and transformation. That is the kingdom of light and darkness. That is the one that is still at our work, at work in our lives today. We may not be waiting for liberation from Egypt. We may not be waiting for liberation from Rome, but it is undeniable that we are still a people living in the oppression of slavery today. We are under the slavery of mental health, of domestic violence, of um, corruption, of all of these things that just scream slavery. They don't, they don't scream freedom or liberation or transformation or people of light, but we are living in a time where darkness reigns. So Jack said to me last night, he said, uh, you know, in the week before Easter, this is kind of the perfect time for everyone to just check ourselves, you know? So this is the official invitation for you to check yourself before we celebrate the risen King next week. I want, I want you guys to check yourself and check in with your heart. Who rules your heart today? Are you living under the, under the leadership and the sovereignty of the King of light, of freedom, of liberation, of just life transformed or are you living under the kingdom and the rulership of darkness the one where slavery reigns the ones where it feels like you're living in the shadows the ones that feels like it's reminding you of your shortfalls every single time you take a step out 
So the first, the first question I want everyone to kind of meditate on through the week, it doesn't just have to be right now, but through the week in the lead up to the, res- the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. Meditate on the word this week, have a self-reflection and actually think, do you go with the flow or do you stand firm? These people who are shouting and chanting and praising Jesus as the returning king were the very ones who one week later were shouting, crucify him. How easy is it for us to be influenced by the masses? The same, the same is today. It's easy to be declaring and praising Jesus on a Sunday when the music's loud and the people are around us. And when we need saving or when we need answer to prayer, it's easy for us to declare Jesus as the Son of God. But one Sunday is over and we're back in that real world, the real world where darkness does reign, where people hate Christians, where people want to take the, Lord, the Lord's Prayer out of Parliament. We revert back to our old ways. We can kind of shy away back into the shadows because we don't want to stand out. We don't want to rub people the wrong way. We don't want to offend anyone. And it may not happen all at once that we get back into the shadow, but it happens compromise after compromise after compromise. You can find yourself in the wrong conversations. You can find yourself picking up the wrong things. You can find yourself in a mindset that is not honouring the kingdom of light, but it is going back to the ways of darkness. And then suddenly we're that person who's saying, Jesus, oh, I kind of like, like what he's about, but I don't really you know, believe in the whole Bible. Or uh, I'm not really that kind of Christian. The fact of the matter is, if you believe in the resurrection, you believe the whole Bible. You believe the promises of God. You believe Jesus is who he says he is. You cannot pick and choose what the gospel says. When Christ rules your heart, The Bible says that we have been consecrated, that we're sacred, we're precious, and we're set apart. And being set apart or standing out is not always easy. In fact, it's often our worst nightmare. Honestly, I have been guilty before when people say, oh, what did you do on a Sunday? I'll be like, oh, just a lazy day. The day before I would have like spoken at church or, you know, like prayed over someone's salvation or something like that. And I just, you know, shy away and just say, oh, nothing much, you. But it means that we're going against the grain, that we're copying the criticism and maybe having the unpopular view. But when you are doing it in love and you are doing it out of obedience and you are doing it to bring glory to God, then you are bringing lightness into the world. That is reclaiming the kingdom of light in your own life. Number two, do you need to feel it to believe it? The people of Jerusalem were chanting that the messianic... (laughs) It's one of those words that's really similar to like a really bad word, isn't it? Masonic? Yeah, messianic. I just wanted to make sure I didn't like declare really powerful this awful word and everyone's like, red flags. Um, That the messianic king had returned to freedom from slavery. But once Jesus walked in and didn't free them from slavery, he just went and went into the cities, met with his disciples, went into the temple, kind of seemed like one of them. You can imagine that the expectation reality crash would have been a bit of a harsh one to take. Well, guess Jesus isn't who he says he is because I really needed him to show up for this. I really needed to hear from him on this one. I really thought he would show up. 
I really thought he would save me from this one. That is not the voice of light. That is the voice of the devil, first heard in the scene in Genesis and heard every single day by mankind since. That is not the voice of of lightness. And those who have Jesus as their ruler know and believe and declare and remind themselves that through all things, God is at work. They know that through seasons of silence, God is sovereign. And despite what circumstances may look like, Jesus is who He says He is. He is the Saviour. He is the Redeemer. He is the Healer. He is who He says He is. And His promises still stand. Not in my timing, not in your timing, not in any way that we may understand. But the promises still stand from the Bible. And let me speak resurrected life into the promises that you've been having over your life. Whether it was a prophecy spoken over you when you were a child, whether it was a season of hurt and you thought there was a voice of hope, let me speak life back into it. That God does what He says He is going to do. You hold those promises firm. You do not let a shadow of light come over that, but in a shadow of light. You do not let the shadow of darkness come into that area of your life. You reclaim those promises and you declare and you remind yourself that Jesus is faithful, that light casts out darkness, that it casts out fear. And the third point is I want to know where you turn through tough times. Like I said before, Jesus was entering this season or this journey, or this big pinnacle of his life. And he was scared, and he didn't want to do it. He said, take this cup from me to the Father. He he felt forsaken, he felt lost. But we see from him, and we learn from him, that in this time, he clutched to the Scriptures. He made sure that he was holding on to the Word of God, and he was saturated in prayer each and every day. This is when we saw him in his most human form. When he wept at the side of the city and he sat with his close friends and he said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Yet when he saturated himself in prayer and time with the Father, he, in a time where he knew would be the darkest hour, his strength and his resolute to face his calling was made only possible because how firmly he was planted through that preparation stage. So when you are going through tough tough phases, are you just floating with what what goes, with what you're feeling, with what you're, um, what's around you, or are you firmly planted in the Word of God, in the presence of the Father, saturated in prayer, knowing that despite how uncomfortable it is, the calling is straight ahead, on the straight and narrow. It is not on the wide path that is easier to walk. You are walking on the straight and narrow like Jesus did. And as believers... We become citizens of the kingdom of light when we let Jesus into our heart and we declare with our mouths that He is the Saviour, He is the Son of God, and He is our Lord. But as we see amongst the Jewish people, you cannot worship both. Light and dark do not peacefully dwell together. So what can we do to cast out darkness and and declare each and every day that within our heart, light reigns? I think it's impossible to deny that all of us have some sort of sinful rule in our lives. It's inevitable because we are all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God, but the battle we're facing is not ours to fight. The fact that we all fall short, as a side note, 
when you are trying to um, condemn or point out groups of people who fall short, remember that you're included in that. This week I was reading articles and looking at things online and just being horrified at how fast people are to point out groups of people who fall short. But the Bible says that we all fall short of the glory of God. And let's not be Christians who forget that. So we're just the lowly slaves, right? We're not in the army. We're not anything righteous. We're not anything special. We're not even called to fight for the king. And Jesus says that we will face tribulation, but we're not in the war. He says, take heart, I have overcome the world. On the cross, one week after this Sunday, Jesus paid the price for our sin. He saved and redeemed the very Jewish people who were yelling, crucify him. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He played the ultimate move and conquered the darkness forever. Not only did he do that, he extended the invitation to us. And so the final victory has already been won and it's yours to claim. But how? Step one is letting Jesus into the city or into the state of your heart at all and saying, hey, you don't have to say hey. (laughs) Hey, Jesus. (laughs) Saying, Jesus, I really do believe who you say you are. That you are humble, you are kind, you are genuine, and that you want to enter my heart for reasons that are unlike the other rulers. Unlike, unlike the rulers I have let in before, you want to heal me, you want to deliver me, transform me, and you want me to be a redeemed child of God. But you want me to be holy and singularly yours, God. And once you're a child of God, you have all authority to act like it. You must consecrate yourself. Live a life worthy of your calling. Live a life like you have been called by name, by the King of Kings and the creator of the universe, that you are worthy of the calling, not because of anything you've done, but by the grace that has already been paid for. It says that the wage of sin is death, but it has already been paid by the blood of Jesus. And when I say, let him in, you might just be thinking, this is just the uh, classic salvation message for those who don't already know Jesus. I can kind of tap out from here on out. But I mean, really let him in. When I kind of was imagining this city, that it had two rulers, it would have two, you know, statues of the gods, statue of the king, things like that. I imagine what it would be like for one party or one of the kingdoms to just come in and take sovereign leadership. And I just imagine that it wouldn't happen overnight, that there would be still things like statues, temples, all of these things that would decay over time because people stop using them. That, um, you know, these shadowy areas would start to um, get knocked down, get taken away, get replaced. And, you know, like in those documentaries where the greenery grows over everything and it looks like the ancient ruins, but it may be a very painful season for this to happen. And there may be just one error in your life that you say, I'm not ready to give that to God, actually. God and I kind of have an agreement and I'm just allowed to keep that little area of darkness under wraps. All good. Most of it light, a little bit of shadow, a little bit of idols, a little bit of statues, things like that. God doesn't want to share the property. God doesn't want to share the state of your heart. He wants to let those things be taken down 
and replace with good things. In Romans 8.28, in the Passion Translation, it says, So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his design purpose. He works all things together for good. And that is a promise in the word. And I just want to encourage you that if it feels like you've let Jesus in before and it hurts and it's painful and you don't understand how he's ever going to get rid of that, give him time. Make the declaration every single day that you believe who Jesus says he is. You believe his promises to restore you. You believe his promises to renew your mind. And despite how you feel, despite what you're going through and despite where you are, put the king of the light on the throne. Have an awe of reverence about him and acknowledge that you are a child of God called by name into that kingdom. And that is the meditation. I should have said, um, does the band want to come up? It's, yeah, yeah. sorry, it wasn't a question. Um, (laughs) I'm so sorry. Um, But that is just the meditation that I want to encourage you guys to carry into this week. Be aware of the pushing and the pulling of two kingdoms in your life. And every time you hear a voice or every time you go back to a habit or every time you go back into the darkness, remember that you have been called by name into the kingdom of light. And where the kingdom of the light and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom, there is healing, there is transformation and there is a calling beyond your wildest expectations. And that is what happens when you let Jesus in, you take him at his word and you stand on his promises. So would you guys stand and I'm going to pray for you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Daisy. Heavenly Father, We come to you today with an awe of reverence and a repenting heart, Lord, that we would let, that we have let you in once before. We declare that you are Hosanna, the God who saves, and yet we still go back to our sinful ways, Lord. Forgive us once more where we are. Where our sin increases, the grace increases even more, God. I pray that you are the Lord today to each of us to come into our lives at a lowly level, looking us each in the eye and leading us to a new place of light, Lord. Cast out the darkness from each of our hearts. Remove the pain, remove the idols. Take us from the season of hurt and deliver us to one of seasons uh, of freedom, God that this day here would be the start of a week that would transform our lives so that next week when the crucifixion is being spoken out, is being reminded that we would feel the pain and we would acknowledge the cost, that, that the cross wasn't, wasn't free for you, that you paid and you bore the weight of the world to carry us with you, Lord. I pray for every single person here with an open heart today, God, whether they have known you before, whether this is the first time they're knowing of the saving grace of Jesus, Lord. And I ask that your salvation would rush through this room today. That you would set people free, like your word says, God, and that every single time they pick up your word or every single time they see light, love or selflessness this week, they are reminded of you, that there is a new zeal for your house created in the house of the Lord today. 
And God, that we would be a repentant, reverent family of Christ. God, I pray that as we continue to worship, you would just minister to us and the same in the fellowship, Lord, that um, you would just start to restore and make make the kingdom of light evident in this place today, Lord. We love you so much and we're so thankful for the revelation and and the kingdom of salvation, Lord. And we love you so much and we pray in the saving name of Jesus. Amen.